welcome to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks LifeCast, a show about self-discovery and vibrating higher in every area of your life. Each week, I'll have conversations with some of my favorite people who are soaring over life's challenges. They'll share their struggles, but more importantly, the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Keisha Whitaker, entrepreneur and transformational speaker. Let's get ready to soar. Hello and welcome to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks Lifecast. And this week we are talking about forgiveness. Not only the ability to forgive others, but also how to be forgiven and how to forgive ourselves when things happen and things go wrong in our lives and we tend to beat ourselves up about it. My guest that's joining me today is someone whose story is just absolutely the most heartwarming and touching story that I've heard in quite some time. And when you look up soaring in the dictionary, I think this person's face is right next to the definition. His journey is one of tragedy and pain, but he has turned that into something that is triumphant. He's a motivational speaker. He's a Navy veteran. He is someone who is not only a mentor to many, but he is someone that everyone looks up to. He's just a phenomenal person. So Justin Brazil is here with me to share his story. And at the age of 10, he was doused with gasoline and set on fire by another young man that was his age. He will talk about how he has not only found his purpose through this experience, but how it changed his life and made him so much better in the process and how he learned to forgive when he was faced with that person many years later. Hello, Justin. Hey, Keisha, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? Thank you so much for joining the podcast with me. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a blessing to be here. Well, we go back a little bit, a little ways. You know, I first found out about your story. I met you through um, UCAN of Memphis, which I serve on the board of, and took you on a media tour. You were a part of our Dare to Dream conference and a major speaker at the conference that really won over a lot of the kids with your story and really talking about how to stop bullying in the schools through your through the sharing of your experience. I'm just honored to have you here. I'm going to let us just jump right in. I want to get right into it because it's such an amazing story. Take me back to that day and just paint the picture for me. Well, it oof, that, that was a altering day. Um, I still remember that day just as if it was yesterday. I remember I woke up that morning. It was normal. Just a normal, regular old day. Me and my brother ate breakfast. We decided to go downstairs to meet up with one of our friends, uh, uh, with a, one of our friends named Anthony. Uh, we've been hanging out with him for years. We did normal things that 10-year-olds and 11-year-olds do. We went out, started riding bikes, went to the lake, skipping rocks, and then we decided we wanted to go fishing. So we came back to where we stayed, and got our fishing poles, our little worms, and uh, we had some chicken gizzards that day also. And we went to uh, went back to the lake. The lake was kind of like our clubhouse. In the back of it, it was some woods. And uh, over, over the day, some people, some more kids would come and join us. It was uh, probably about five of us. 
three of them were in the woods. Uh, there was my brother, the young man, and there was another child. And me and Anthony were fishing. Uh, the young man that ended up setting me on fire ended up calling us into the woods. Uh, me and Anthony were having a conversation. We were looking, we were talking to each other, and the young man called my name. I had my back facing him, and the young man called my name. I didn't turn around. That's when I was told that he struck a match and threw it into a cool whip bowl of gasoline. And then he called my name again. And when I turned around, I turned to my right side towards him. Uh, that's when he picked up the bowl of gasoline and threw it on me. I ended up running, and my brother uh, came over and tripped me up and knocked me on the ground. And I remember what they told us in uh, elementary, they stopped dropping rolls. So we decided, uh, so that was, that's what we did. My brother ended, ended up getting burned on his, uh, his leg also. I ended up being burned over 53% of my body. After I was out, I had, we had to walk home. We walked probably about maybe half a mile, quarter of a mile to the house. And I remember my mother was uh, just coming down the stairs and she was crying. It was like she knew something had happened. That's one thing about mothers. Their motherly instinct is serious. She came downstairs, she was crying. And she was escorting me back upstairs with my brother. And I remember her saying, don't let him look at himself. Uh, close the bathroom door. Don't let him look in the mirror. And she started turning mirrors over. At the time, I didn't understand why that was going on. I just knew that I was in pain. I was so hot that my, that my, my friend was carrying my bike next to me and they said I ended up melting the, the wheel on the, on the bike. After that, I remember I heard the ambulance come, and every, after that, everything went black. It went blank. I ended up waking up uh, a few weeks later, and I was in a different state. I was in Galveston, Texas, at the Shriners Burn Hospital. And I absolutely owed them everything. I owed them my life. They ended up... Uh, by the time I woke up, I ended up going through, I think it was 27 surgeries. During the whole entire span from the age of 10 to 18, I ended up going through 63 surgeries. Now, in the time of me healing, my doctors told me that my life would never be the same. There was going to be a lot of things that I would not be able to do. They said I wouldn't be as active. Uh, I used to play baseball, basketball. They said that uh, sports are pretty much over with for me. Due to the fact that uh, on the right side of my body, I really don't have pores. So my body doesn't sweat, uh, not like, like a normal person. So that could cause problems, uh, overheating and things of that nature. Uh, and, in, in, and they tried to put a limitation on me, but I did not like that. You know, most of my life, people have been trying to put limitations on me. And one of the reasons why I think I was being bullied as much was because in uh, elementary, the teachers told me that uh, I had a learning disability. They put me in special needs classes. So I really too much didn't leave out of uh, just that one class all day long. You know, I used to see kids coming, walking by the classroom and they would look in, point, laugh, make fun of us. And that young man paid a special attention to me. And... Um, that ended up changing my life.
do all of those things where they said that I would not be able to do it. so many things in my life. I did not like that at all. I didn't like anybody putting any limitations on me. And whatever they said they wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna be able to do it. I was gonna do it to the extreme. One of my, uh, I remember through that time from the age of 10 to around 14, I was told that I could not go outside. Uh, the sun, my, my skin was not, uh, it wasn't healed. And they didn't want the UV rays to touch my skin. It could cause problems. So I remember I used to watch sit in the window and watch my brother go outside and he would come back in and my mother used to tell him, boy, you smell like outside. And I wanted to smell like outside so bad. I used to watch him out the window and I told myself, whenever I'm able to go outside, I'm going to go and see as much as possible. And no matter what cost it was, I was going to see as much and do as much as possible. And that's exactly what I did. Right after that, I was sitting in my room and I saw a commercial come on TV. The only thing I could do was watch television. So that's what I did. And the commercial that came on was a military commercial. It said, be all that you can be. And I said, you know what? I, I want to be that. I want to be all I can be. I want to do all I can. And I did some research. I, whenever I was out and I see anything military, I pick it up and I found uh, the requirements of what it would take to uh, join the military. What I did was uh, I started beginning to work out from that point. You know, my body was very weak at the time. Uh, I did not have full range of motion of my right arm due to scars. Uh, it restricted me. I couldn't lift my arm a quarter of the way that it can now. Uh, but I, I got to work. I started doing push-ups. I started out with just doing one, and I was able to build myself up so I was able to do the requirement. Now, the whole time, I remember I used to, when I, I have, used to have to go to the hospital uh, from Memphis to Galveston. At first, it was every two weeks, and then they did it once a month. I have to go to Galveston, Texas. And I ended up telling my doctor, I said, uh, I'm going to join the military. And the doctor looked at me and said, Justin, don't try it. Uh, it might cause you to go into a deeper depression. They might not uh, allow you to join. And I told them, thank you. And I never said anything to them again about it. Just so happened, after I graduated high school, uh, I ended up uh, in MEPS in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. The reason, uh, I'm from Memphis, but the reason they took me to Little Rock, Arkansas is because they said that um, they, that it'll be easier for them to get me in because Memphis was a little strict. Arkansas was a little lax on getting letting people in in Memphis. So we ended up going. That's another day that there's another pivotal day in my life. It changed my path. When I, uh, we made it there that morning, it was just a normal day. And um, I went through my physical, get my physical done. And the doctor was kind of, I could tell he was kind of on the ropes on letting me in. Uh, I had damage to my lungs from being burned, uh, all these scars. They think it was going to be restrictive. They didn't want me to get hurt. I think they just, uh, they thought I wasn't good enough. But some, uh, a world of event happened that actually, I think they just pushed me into the military. That morning, uh, while we were sitting in the classroom, we was taking instructions from uh, one of the instructors and a young man bust into the uh, 
into the room. He had on a, a military outfit. He was uh, currently in the military. I think he was like an E5, if, if I remember correctly. And he whispered into the instructor's ear. And the guy told us to stop, stand up. We're finna swear you guys in. So I'm like, yo, I made it. I was so happy. I was so happy. Oh my goodness, I was happy. And, and the, uh, the, the teacher, asked, he was like, when we go outside, I want you guys to keep your head down and follow the person in front of you and shut your mouth. So we all got up being extra military and we got up and we walked out doing exactly what he said. But see, one thing about it is I'm from Memphis. And uh, one thing I started noticing was I started hearing a lot of guns racking. Uh, racking is a uh, chamber in the round. Uh, I seen uh, police dogs. I never really liked big dogs anyway. So when I started seeing those, I started getting nervous. But uh, anyway, we made it into the oath room and they swore us in and I made it. I was so happy that I made it to that point. I was like, yes, I don't care what's going on. Like I, 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 I completed a goal that I wanted so bad. When we got done swearing in, usually this, that happens weeks after this step, but they just went ahead and, and swore us in that moment. Uh, they told us again, we can go out into this hallway, keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, follow the person in front of you. So we did. We came in and they handed us some paperwork. We made it back to the class. They handed us some paperwork and uh, we finished it up. And the man said, look, uh, welcome to the military. You need to go into the TV room. Something's going on in the world you need to see. So we ended up uh Going into the TV room, and I mean, when I walked into the TV room, it was, you can hear a pen hit the floor. The room was crowded, but everybody was staring at the TV in complete silence. I mean, it was no movement. I went over there to one of the guys that came down with me to Maps, and I said, man, what movie are y'all watching? I was like, what is this, Armageddon or something? And, or one of those movies, and he just looked at me. I never forget that look. That was a look of complete fear. And when I, I turned and looked at the TV, the second plane turned and hit the, the second tower uh, on 9-11. And I remember the guy turned, I looked, I turned around and I looked back and the man says, welcome to war. And that was just, that was the beginning of my military experience. After boot camp, I remember my mother came uh, after we graduated, and I seen that, and I just cried. I was uh, hugging. I said, I, I was telling her, I did it. I did it. After so many times, after people been telling you, you would not be able to do so many things and you achieve it, especially people who you look at as experts uh, or, or experts in their field, it was a feeling like no other. So I remember what I did. After I went to um, A school, which was uh, in Pensacola, Florida, after leaving Chicago, we went to Pensacola, Florida for training. I, I chose, uh, I went into the air department. After that, the first stop I made, I put my uniform on, I hopped on a, a Delta flight to Galveston, well, to Houston, Texas, and took a, a taxi from Houston to Galveston, Texas, and I put my uniform on and went to that, my, my burn hospital, my children's burn hospital. I had to see that doctor. I had to let him know that he was wrong. Uh, I don't know if it was pride in me or, or what, but I, I had to show them 
that you can't put limitations on people. And also, that was my first time ever talking to a group of of, of my peers like that. Because after I went in there and I talked to the doctor, I, I went on, uh, I toured the floor as well, and I spoke with children, just let them know with that uniform on that this is not the end of your existence. There's life after. That's one of my most proudest moments of my life, being able to give back. Because I was uh, just a few years ago, I was in, I was laying in those, uh, in those beds, and just to let them know that it's okay. You just have to learn to adapt and overcome from this point. But after that, uh, I ended up uh, going through this. I decided to take a test to go into weapons. I ended up passing, and um, my job in the, in the weapons department was I built uh, torpedoes, missiles, uh, worked with T4. I was a small arms weapons instructor. Uh, I have trained over 4,000 military personnel in small arms weapons training. I ended up uh, doing uh, three deployments. After I ended up getting out of the military, I did six years. Uh, I touched every continent except for Antarctica. After I got out, the, got out of the military, I decided I wanted to go to school. When I went to school, I chose Tennessee Tech. And Tennessee Tech, I picked up welding. I love working with my hands. I love being out in nature and working. So I chose welding. The first day, the teacher asked us to go into this classroom upstairs where we sat in uh, where all these desks were. We went up there and we sat down. I ended up choosing to sit in the far right corner of the room. They started, uh, the teacher asked for everybody to stand up individually and tell us a little bit about themselves. And they started with the front uh, front left. About the third guy in, asked, uh, was stood up and was telling about himself. It was like I'd, I'd seen his face before somewhere. I'd seen his face. I didn't heard that voice. And uh, about midway in, I realized who he was. It was the young man that set me on fire. I was in complete shock, but I stood up and I skipped everybody. When the young man met me, I was maybe 4'11", maybe 110 pounds. Now I'm 290 pounds. I go to the gym seven days a week, three hours a day, uh, highly trained. Uh, and at the time was angry. I was very angry. Uh, I was dealing with, dealing with a few things, PTSD and so forth. But Justin, quick question. So what happened to him beef? Uh, what happened to him when uh, it happened, when it first happened? What happened to him at that time? OK, so what ended up happening was. We ended up going to court and well, I didn't go, but my, uh, my mother went for me. What ended up happening was is. Um, he ended up only getting 24 hours community service and had to watch a film at the fire station. And that was his complete punishment. I was, wow. You know, it, it did not register to me like he tried to kill me. But uh, what ended up, I ended up finding out <clears throat> a couple of years ago uh, from one of the young men, because everybody kind of dispersed after it happened. Their, their parents sent them other ways. and Other people didn't, you know, some of the kids didn't want to talk about it. But what ended up happening was his the young man's mother, actually uh, contacted all of the children and told them, you know, basically like, if you don't say this, we're going to take you from your parents. They kind of scared those kids. So they did whatever, they said whatever that they wanted them to say. And he ended up getting off from from any major punishment. So 
Yeah, let's let's go back to where you were in the classroom and you was ready and ready. Okay. <laughs> so what ended up happening was when when I stood up, uh, it was like I locked eyes on him from the point that I stood up. I stood up and walked into the front of the class, and I just I stared at him. I did not take my eyes off of him, and I went through my military record. I went through the things that I did, um, what I've done in the military, my training, you know, who I've worked with. Uh, I've worked next to Navy SEALs. I've trained so many different people. Uh, I've worked next to ELD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal Teams. I've, it was so many different things that we've done in that in 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 short period of time, and I see him in front of me. Every time that I put a, a, a round down range, his face was on that silhouette. Every time I did anything, I saw his face. You know, I wanted to, oh, yeah, I, I, it was it was a lot of aggression. So uh, after I got done when going through my military rapture, I think the, I made the room uncomfortable. So the teacher was like, oh, okay, let's go on break. You know, we only four people in, <laughs> you know, you're going on break. Usually we get past, I, I would think usually with having the whole, everybody introduce themselves for at least half and then go on break. But anyway, um, everybody left out the room and the teacher called my name and the teacher just kept on asking me, come here, Justin. I said, I, I got something I got to do. And the teacher was like, come here, Justin. I was like, no, nah, I got something I got to do. And uh, I walked out. I went looking for this young man. And I remember I walked up on him uh, in the cafeteria. And when I walked up on him, uh, I asked him, I said, do you know who I am? And he was like, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who you are. I said, yeah, you know who I am. Well, it wasn't that nice, but I was like, you do know who I am. He was like, no, nah, I don't. And I unbuttoned my, my shirt and I showed him the scars on my arm. I said, you know who I am. He's like, oh, man. You did that to yourself, man. I ain't had nothing to do that. I'm sorry that happened to you, man, but I ain't had nothing to do that. You know, it's like basically after, well, what, what I think happened with that is his mother lied to him and he started to lie to himself and he started to believe that lie and that, that became his truth. He got away with it. So, of course, he's going to say he has nothing to do with it. So by that time, a crowd started coming around. People was just standing around. Uh, us military people, we have a way of displaying our anger without even saying a word. The way we look, the way we stand, the way we hold ourselves. Well, when the people started coming around, he tried to raise his voice a little bit. And I just shook my head. I said, okay. And I just walked off. When I walked off, I looked back. And when I looked back, the people that was around him walked away. They dispersed from him. He got quiet. It, you know, I, I think people understood what I was saying without saying it. And I went to my car. I ended up grabbing a few weapons um, and I started walking back towards the school. As I was walking towards the school, you know, it was so many different things going through my my mind. And it was all of a sudden I felt this gust of wind just hit me in my chest. It just stopped me in my tracks. That wind gave me enough time to think. I actually had to think like, what sense would this make for me to throw away everything that I've, I've just experienced? You know, I've 
I have friends all over the world. I've touched every continent. I've drove Lamborghinis in Hawaii going to the Pro Bowl. I've bought bars in Singapore. I've danced in the sand in Bahrain, Dubai. My life is in the history books with with Operation Enduring Freedom, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Now I've come home to go to jail. They really made, they gave me time to think. So I turned around. Uh, I walked to the car. I put everything in my car and I drove off. So the next day, uh, I decided uh, I'm going to go back to school. And I did. But this time uh, when I made it, it was uh, a few law enforcement waiting on me. A few alphabets, uh, Memphis PD, the Sheriff Department, Department of Homeland Defense. What ended up happening was, uh, I guess, when I was going through my military record, looking at him, uh, he felt threatened. And somebody told that I was very angry with him. They were telling me basically, like, look, if anything happened to this young man, we know who to come for. We understand, but don't do it. It doesn't make sense, you know, to, to throw your life away because it would have been premeditated. And I would have loved, I would have been, still be in jail to this day. That kind of put me in a predicament. You know, I wanted to stay in the class. He was staying in the class. I had to make a, a decision in my life. At that point, was I going to go back and fail or was I going to move forward? And they, that comes to the point of what we we were here, the main focus of today, to talk about forgiveness. I actually had to forgive the young man. You know, it wasn't for him; it was for me. Yeah, let me let me let me jump in there real quick because you've said a lot right now. Like I'm I'm still <laughs> processing some of the things. The fact that a he did not get any time for what he did. There was you know this cover up basically by the by the mother um there's a lot of different thing a lot of different elements here that i'm like oh my god you didn't get the justice that you deserved but as i hear your story and i hear how you were able to continue forward like i want to just double back on this and ask what was it within you that said i can't let this define me. I can't, I know there were days where there was dark days and you know, you were worried about your appearance or what have you, but how did you overcome those dark days to go to move forward and do all the things that you've done? Well, at first what I ended up doing was I took into, um, I took to alcohol. I took to, they had me on pain medicines and so forth. Uh, depression was heavy. I used to didn't care about how I dressed. I didn't didn't take baths every day. I I I didn't care at first. What ended up happening to me is uh, I'm ended up running into a mentor. A mentor uh, changed my life. Uh, I, I I never had a father in my life. Uh, I never had a father figure except for someone like my uncle. I, but I was lucky enough to run into mentors and through different stages of my life to help me guide me along the way. And, and one of my mentors uh, was a, a lady named um, Mrs. Frederick. She was one of my teachers. 
I felt that she was one of the first pe- first teachers to believe in me. You know, did she never said anything uh, negative towards me? You know, sometimes we had I had some teachers that were just terrible people that be like, "You're stupid, dumb." Oh my God, you're on my nerves. It was like, you know, I think they were unhappy with their lives and they projected it onto children. You know, uh, and 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 those type of children. I mean, those type of teachers should you should quit. If you are listening to this and you are one of those teachers, don't tear anybody, uh, don't tear another child's child's life up because you are unhappy with yours. Go fix yourself and then try to go out and help. But uh, those type of people helped me so far in life that it helped pull me out of it. They they showed me the inner uh, happiness that, that, that they had inside of them and I wanted it. So I had to go after it. And that's that's kind of what brought me out of those dark times. Uh, and e- even to this day, I have mentors. And right now I have a few of them. One is a man named Elliot Perry. Just seeing how he moves in the business world, he, he, he teaches me a lot. And uh, Albert Hughes. Watching those guys in another group, in my group of kids that I mentor. They keep me on a straight path because uh, I don't want to let them down. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to let them down at all. They are our future. So just seeing them, because you know, sometimes these kids they do say the darnest things, and they be so honest and real about it. They'll put you in a straight line. You know, sometimes as an as an adults, we get uh, out of line, like like out of whack, and saying like, no. This kid can't teach me anything. I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing, but that is the first uh, step to failure, thinking you know everything. You never know. You can learn uh, something every, new every day. You can learn something from a, from a child or anything, but just having them. Yeah, you can learn something from anybody right. around you. I have learned from nature. I have learned from my dog when she was alive. I learned, you know, from so many different outlets. So you're absolutely right. And I was thinking about, I don't know why I keep going back to this, but I just keep thinking. I mean, he got off, but really and truly he didn't because he had to live with the fact that he did that to another person. But, you know, and that's why, and then that's where the denial came in as opposed to saying, brother, I'm so sorry what I did, you know, that I did this to you and owning and taking responsibility. So many people don't want to be accountable for their actions, but guess what? We all have to pay the price. We all have to face those things that we do. And it doesn't come. It it comes when you least expect it, right? It never comes, you know, when you think it's going to come when it's swift and immediate because That's the issue with forgiveness that I found. I was reading a book called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall, who's like this famous, well-known pastor. Mm -hmm. And I started reading the book because I was struggling with forgiveness in my life. And I was like, okay, let me figure this out. Let me think about what forgiveness really is. And it's a process. It is a process. You know, they say you wipe the slate clean and you just let go of any wrongs or the offending thing that happened, but it's hard to do that. And it takes a while. I always tell people forgiveness is not foolishness. 
You don't give a person an opportunity to keep coming back and doing stuff to you, but you can let it go. And that's been the challenge for me. And I know for a lot of other people. So how did you get on after that, you know, incident of running into him at the school and then being confronted with, okay, don't do this. Don't take your life away because, you know, he probably suffered throughout his life. We don't know what he went through, but we know you went on to do remarkable things and things that he would have never done. So how did you get on this path to forgiveness? And is it, how do you practice that? Well, one thing, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> one thing that did make me feel good about that situation was, but one, I did do a lot in my life. And when I looked at him, it looked like life had took him down through so much. You know, you can tell there was apparent drug usage, not just, uh, I mean, hard drug usage. And also there were, uh, you know, it was like he was stuck in that same area, that same time frame, that mindset. And also when he had said he was, he's been going in and out of jail. So, and he was trying to get his life back on track when he stood up there in front of the class and was talking. So it, I'm not going to lie. I, I, that's bad for me to look at it like that, but, you know, just to see that he was, he wasn't doing right at the time in life that made me feel better. Like, because. I've done so much, even though I've had so much less, I still came out on top out of this situation, out of both of us, you know, and then also seeing him, he was still going in and out of jail after, uh, after we had that, uh, that, that, that moment. Sometimes you have to look at it like this. Everybody's there for a reason and he played his part. And I think he played his part to set me on my path to where I am today. You see, without him, I probably wouldn't have went to the military. Without him, I probably wouldn't have been invited to come and speak in Ripley, Tennessee, which led me to a point that changed my life. After I got invited to speak at Ripley, Tennessee, uh, by this young man, a young lady named Verisha. After I got done, people were coming to us outside and talking to us. And people, there were so many people coming to me. It was a few people went to the others, but it was some kids that was coming to me like, Justin, you helped, uh, you helped me. It was like, I've been bullied. I'm glad to see somebody can come out of that and be okay. I was like, okay. All right. And then there was some, some adults came up to me. It was like, man, you make my life look like a cakewalk. It's time for me to go back and rethink my life. I was like, wow. So. Yeah, you hit on something too with the bullying piece. Because one thing that I know, and when we were on the media tour too, people were so captivated by your story, but they also had their own stories of bullies. Mm -hmm. Like they, people never forget that bully, that person that really, you know, impacted their life and it's like like you if i could see that person today i really would want to do something to them but but you have to you know you were kids you have to let it go but it sticks with you it really really does and so i 
I know that you've gone on to speak at, you know, overseas. <laughs> Your story has been in um, the Daily Mirror and the Daily Mail over in the UK. I mean, you have become this international um, personality because an international motivational speaker because you know you've been able to share your story so well and in a way that impacts people and just i mean it's a life changer it really is and i never looked at it like that that's the i was just trying to live my life i was just trying to go through my life as a normal young man with a few issues you know a few there was a few differences i'm gonna take the issues that with a few differences yeah so let's go back to the forgiveness piece because that's what i really want to get to the meat of Mm -hmm. like what was that what were those steps for you because i know you said it was difficult Mm -hmm. so take us through some of the ways that you or maybe some of the things that you did that really helped you on your path to forgiveness well it was really basically i had to look at some of the people in my life that were around me that held on to hurt. And when you hold on to hurt or hate or anger, it rent, it hinders you and you moving forward in life. It will keep you in that same spot, in that same position. And I didn't want that. If I was to see that every day I wake up and I see that I had to go to the school and see this man, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy how the universe works because it will put you in the most testing positions just to see what you will do. I don't want to fail test. I, I don't want to hold on to her. So I had to forgive. It was, it wasn't for him. Like, just like you said, no matter what, like, I'm not going to forget. It's not like I'm going to come up here, shake your hand and be your friend. We are far from that. I would never let nobody hold that much power over me in my life. I would never let anybody be able to grab me and hold me and keep me in that space. So uh, it took a lot of me going to the gym and releasing stress and anger and 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 and, and so forth and putting it in a into focus on school. That was another thing. Uh, I ended up becoming one of the best welders out of the class. I just had to get focused on myself. You see, because if if you are sharing your energy, your focus on, okay, I'm over here uh, giving a little bit of my energy to uh, not forgiving this person or angry at this person at all the time, you are subtracting the energy that you can be focusing on yourself. And when you do that, you end up uh, losing as a whole because you're not focused on growth you're focused on the past and being focused on the past is one of the most hindering things that we've had in our communities for so long and you know and 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 i didn't want to i didn't want to get held back that's one of the main reasons why i had to forgive them and and also like i said i've done some things in my life uh and that i'm not proud of that you know i i would want somebody to forgive me for at the same time right absolutely absolutely and i think that's the that's the next step is you know how do we begin to forgive ourselves Mm -hmm. and then how do we 
accept forgiveness when we've done something? How do we own up to what we've done? How did you begin to forgive yourself and and keep moving forward? Well, one one thing that I did was I paid attention to what I was doing and decided to do the complete opposite of it, drinking and uh, staying at home, just doing, you know, not caring about so much. You know, I had to actually find something to to care for, to love, to focus on, and 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 things changed. So it was uh it was hard. It was hard. I'm not gonna lie, but I had to do the complete opposite. I had to step away from the addictions. I had to step away from uh from the hurt. And I actually had to go and sit down and talk to somebody. From having seen so much of my own blood and and going through all those surgeries and and waking up and being in so much pain to getting out of that, then going to the military and doing so many different things. It was like, it was a combination. Like I, I, my whole life I went through, it, it was either sadness or pain. And I got fed up with it. I didn't want it anymore. So I knew I had to change. And I knew I had to forgive myself because I, I am a human being. You are a human being. You have to forgive yourself. You know, um, we all going to make mistakes, but if you're constantly making the same mistakes over and over again, it's not a mistake. It's a choice. So I chose not to live in a life of depression or, or a life of um, of anger and hurt anymore. I didn't want that. I mean, your story, I'm just, I'm over here like, ooh. <laughs> I mean, you dropping knowledge, you dropping these gems, and I don't know. It, it's amazing because the person that I got to know and see, it's like I'm like just a beautiful person. Like the the energy that you give, the love that you give out to the kids that you mentor, the way you have committed your life to service um, and helping others through your story and actually and through deeds as well. I'm just so honored to know you and thank you for your service for sure. You. you know, thank you so much for your service. Everybody, please, please, if you were touched by this story and I know you were, so please get out and support Justin. He has a book he's working on that, that he's, you know, in the process of getting um, his, you know, autobiography going and telling his story in book form. So be on the lookout for that soon. When he gets that ready, he'll be back to talk about the book and everything he has going on. So Justin, thank you so much for being here. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in on Facebook, for listening to me on audio. As you know, you can find this podcast Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, that's Spotify, that's um, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, any platform where you listen to podcasts, you can find the audio version of this. And as always, you can watch the interview in its full entirety on YouTube. So be, begin to follow us here, uh, like, subscribe, and click the notification bell to find out when new episodes are coming out each week. And also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Soar Lifecast. And, and just really look forward to 
telling more great stories like this. And until next time, keep soaring. Thanks for listening to the Succeeding Over All Roadblocks Lifecast. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Soar Lifecast for more tips and motivation. You can also email questions to soarlifecast at gmail.com. Be sure to catch new episodes every week and leave a review of the show. Until then, keep soaring. <laughs>